slurping. Look at that. I'm slurping. Some yeah. Tea. Well, you know, you're old. Put your teeth back in. Do you have any crazy teeth stuff? No. Okay. Uh, no, knock wood. Thank God. Good, solid choppers. Chompers. 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 Uh, yeah. Good, good, solid chompers. I like yeah. that. Um, what was I going to, I was going to tell you something and now I can't remember what it was. I am getting old. Damn it. Yeah, right. You got to start writing things down. I don't know how to write. <laughs> I've lost that too. <laughs> How are you doing? What's going on? Uh, you know, uh, it's it's another day in paradise. Actually, the the, the temperature is finally starting to seemingly starting to break. Yeah, which is nice because I don't like the cold. It I've was never liked the cold. It was a little cold yesterday, but I went for a walk through the park on my way to go meet a couple of friends for dinner. And wait, you walk through the park at night? Isn't that not so good? Are you not supposed to do that? Well, it was the sun hadn't gone down yet. Although I will tell you, okay, you realize that night is when the sun goes down, right? <laughs> yes, but sun down the middle of really Gordon Lightfoot, really. Uh, All right, the sun was going down at like yeah, I don't know five forty five, and it was like you know five twenty five thirty. So it's like I was walking out as the sun was actually going down, but. All right. Um, cause I saw the warriors, man. You don't yeah. want to be walking around that town after dark. How did we watch that? Like six months ago for the first time. I watched it all for, it was crazy. That movie's yeah. crazy. It is. It is kind of crazy. Um, but we were, I was walking through and I was just thinking it's kind of smells like spring. It's starting to have that like peaty kind of everything's thawing kind of smell. Things coming back to life kind of thing. Yeah. But what the interesting thing about it though, is that as, as my friend Terrence pointed out at dinner, he's just like, yeah, but we never really had really good freeze, which means we're going to have way more bugs this year. And you know what I mean? Like mm. we didn't have the, the cycle didn't go all the way to the bottom, you know? Yeah. And so I worry about that, but I will tell you, I, my friend Claude lives across the park from me mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, there were lots of times that I would go over there and be hanging out. We'd go out to dinner or we, whatever, doing whatever. And then I'd walk home. But in the winter time, of course, the sun goes down at like four o'clock, you know, at its worst in December and, and early January. Mm. Mm. And it would be dinner time and I'd have to get home from his house. Now it's four o'clock in the afternoon or five o'clock or six o'clock. You know what I mean? It's like a perfectly reasonable time. But and most of the park has lights around it or it's big open areas where you could not be seen. But there's one stretch that goes up a hill and through the woods for maybe 150 yards, something like that. It's like a path that goes through the woods, a paved path. Mm. And there's no lights on it. Does it feel weird? Well, that's the thing is that you stand Aren't there at tunnels the, too. Aren't there like some tunnels that go through? There are, parts? well, there's bridges and tunnels that go yeah. underneath and stuff, but you're looking up the hill and it's just complete blackness. And it reminds you that we really are still sort of these primordial men. You know what I mean? That like you, you, you look into nothingness and your brain just goes, uh, uh, yeah. Something's looking back at me. Yeah. Even though I just don't see it. There's yeah. nothing there probably. But maybe there is some kid who's going to jump me, you know, like maybe, possibly, 
not likely you know you at six do. o'clock in the afternoon. But here's what you should do. I got the, I've I've got it. Carry a gun. I've got the plan. No. What? No, 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 no. Carry the Fuji. Yeah. <laughs> give give it up without a fight. Yeah. Let somebody Turn steal into the insurance. it. Boom. It's a good I've idea. I just solved your problem. You're welcome. You solved You're welcome. multiple problems. My fear of of <laughs> of, of nothingness. <laughs> There's some hipster. Give me your Fuji, please. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. <laughs> No, no, you have to take it from me. If you don't take it yeah. from me, the cops won't yeah. fill out a report. Looks through EVF, gives yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did a shoot on, on Thursday and uh for all except for one shot, I used the Pentax just because the we did like a above the guy was laying down with stuff around him. He was a clarinet, bass clarinetist. And we broke his clarinet apart and put it around his head while he was like lying on the ground. Mm, and th- mm-hmm. that is one situation where these modern cameras are good because you're holding a camera literally at arm's length going sure. up and down an inch or two as your like arm is struggling to, you know, and f- the autofocus systems on these things, that's handy. You know, mm. I'd have to, I don't know, lock it down on a big tripod or a stand or something if I was going to do it with the Pentax. But um, yeah. Hey, so I was watching... I was editing the other night. Was it last night? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Photos, video. Uh, I was editing photos, but I was watching Golden Girls. One more. You want to try one more? <laughs> um, Starsky and Hutch. So there's a <laughs> there's a new version of Bridge Over Troubled Water, a cover that Jacob Collier did that he just put out. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't know this one, but I mean, I know the, I know the song obviously, but I yeah. haven't heard his cover of it. Yeah. Okay. So apparently this this singer named Yeba, who's this kind of soul singer yes. lady. Who, I know who, who this is. Remember, I think I was obsessed with that version of the Bee Gees uh, song uh, a, a few months ago that she was singing on. Anyway, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like 2016, into a, you know, an iPhone camera almost eight years ago, she sang the first verse of Bridge Over Troubled Water and it gets cut off a minute in because it was like only a minute long. I don't know. It was like a, you know, TikTok or whatever. And it's amazing, but it sounds kind of like crap. There's people, other people in the room and you know what I mean? Like it's not good. Mm-hmm. But of course, Jacob Collier being Jacob Collier took that track, cleaned it up a little bit and then did like 27 part harmony underneath it. With that original iPhone thing? Yes. Well, wow. So he did this, I don't know, a couple of years ago just for fun, like found it on the internet and was like messing around in a, in a hotel room and like recorded himself doing this. Right, because he doesn't sleep. Because yeah, because that guy is a freak, and I say that in the best possible way. He seems like a very <laughs> sweet guy. Um, so for his new album, Jesse Part Four or whatever it is, right? Uh, he is. Uh, he had John Legend and uh, uh, Tori Kelly, who's this singing woman. I don't know. I don't know who she is, but like apparently she was on like uh, American Idol or something. You know, one of these people. He had them also sing verses. And then he merged all three together and made this version of Bridge Over Troubled Water, which is like outrageous, right? Oh, wow. So I listened to this version of Bridge Over Troubled Water, and of course it's gorgeous and the weird shimmering chords and his his just temperament. So like chords are actually tuned the way they would be mathematically, not the way we think of them in Western music. So they sound a little different. I mean, the man is a complete freak, right? And he does a... I found online the next day after he released the song, he did a one hour and 58 minute long logic session breakdown. Oh, wow. Of 
of the entire session. Like, so he's like, all right, let's go to the beginning here. These are these audio tracks. This is what I'm doing on this. These are the plugins that I used on this audio. This is how I cleaned up the audio of Yeba using the RX tools. Oh, and then this is how I dealt with these chords. And this is how I, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for an hour and 58 minutes for one song. And wow. I was transfixed. I mean, it was down in the corner of my thing as I was editing, but I was like, holy crap, this guy is amazing. But the thing is, is that in the beginning, he looks, he's like, well, let's see how many tracks. He's like 212 tracks, you know, 1400 regions or something like that. You know, some ridiculous thing. And none of his tracks are labeled, right? Like it's just track one, track two. Yeah. Really? Audio 47, audio 67, oh, audio 128. But he, but here's the thing, that, the, the reason I bring it up is that you watch him manipulate logic and he is manipulating it like if you were watching me click around Photoshop. You know what I mean? Like, you know, somebody who doesn't know Photoshop as well as I do or you do would be like, what are you doing? Wait, what's that other like? How do you how'd you do that? You know, all that kind of stuff. He's doing that in logic and just like grabbing these things, turning these things off, playing this, doing that, whatever. And it came to realize that all of these tools that we use, whether it's cameras or software, there's no right way to use them. You right. see on YouTube, there's all these stupid things like you're doing it wrong. Right. right. You yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. If you're not putting grass on text like this, you're you're not putting grass exactly. on text the right way. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I just thought it's interesting. I just wanted to like dispel that myth. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you need to yeah. do things a certain way. Because... They're just tools. If you want to bang in nails with the side of the hammer instead of the head of the hammer because it does something for you that the head of the hammer doesn't do, bang them with the side of the hammer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, yeah, I wonder if there is there is so much energy expended on doing things a certain way. I mean, it... it it's arguably the whole basis for everybody doing courses and workshops and, you know, yeah. I'm going to show you my way of doing things rather than the theory behind it and letting you find your own way. Yeah. And Maybe. lots of people have asked me to do more workshops and things. And I'm like, I don't know. Does it really, do you, you really care really? what I want to do? <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, him? Yeah. Who's yeah. that from? Oh, and by the way, just one little aside. At the yes. end of the Yeba thing, it cuts off at a minute in the middle of her last note or like before because, her last because note. Because that's the original. Because <laughs> that's uh, the original thing. So he, he didn't he didn't attempt to fix it. No, he did fix it. Oh, he, he did. He asked Yeba to re-sing it and she said no. Not like no, like I'm not going to do it, but like. <laughs> no. Like like she didn't have time or whatever it was. Right, like she, right, right, she, right. You know. And. Come on. She didn't have time to sing one note. Well. Come on, Yeba. Well. Come on. So. So he found another yeba recording shut up yeah and found the note he needed and then oh molded God. the note out of that <laughs> note yeah and so wow. i guess my point is that like he's doing the same crappy trying to fix his stuff that all of us are doing yeah yeah and it just it made me it made me smile some of the stuff he was yeah, doing yeah i kind of love that i mean i look i've done that in podcasts where I, I didn't, you know, I either something got cut off or I had, you know, a pop or a click or, or, you know, whatever it was, I'll go find another, 
another word or phrase and I'll cobble it together to try and fix it. So yeah, yeah. you're right. We, we've all done those sort of surgical level of fixes rather than redo something entirely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and again, okay, he doesn't label his, his tracks, but you know what? He did this three months ago. He opens it up and he's like jumping around and going like, oh, I think this is that part. And he'll like grab a bunch of regions and hit whatever keyboard commands, turn everything else off and, you know, turns that right. on. Right. And he's playing this stuff. And almost every time he's like right on which one he was looking for, you know, oh, here's oh. the bass parts. And he has them like generally, I think tracks like the lower notes are towards the bottom. Mm. You know, like I think he, you know, there's some semblance semblance of. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe arranging the tracks almost, what would it be? Not, not chromatic. Would it be chromatic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, yes, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Like, yeah, like in, that's in, in order of pitch. So he has yeah, some so sense of So then you kind of know where things, that's really interesting. And then he's also going and he's just like, oh, I didn't notice I didn't put a crossfade in there. Let me just add that here now. The album's out. <laughs> but he's still going in. He's like, it's never too late to fix it. He says stuff like that. As he's doing it. And you're just like, That's this guy's funny. amazing. Have you seen him live? Uh, no. Uh, yeah. I, I think he's incredible. I'm not a huge fan of his music. I'm a huge fan of his covers. I think he's an amazing arranger and I think he's an amazing musician. Mm -hmm. But you, I, you should. We saw him at 930 and he was phenomenal. He oh, really yeah. Was. Yeah. I hear he puts on an incredible show. Even if you don't, I, we didn't know any of the tunes really, you know, a couple of the things that we'd seen videos for, but we didn't know really. He's any kind of, of infectious, still, right? Yeah, very. Yeah. Very. He is so, he is so in love with what he does and, and, and displays such an incredible level of proficiency and creativity and out of the box thinking as, as, as he approaches what he does that you, it, it's almost like you can't, you can't help but not be affected by it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Especially seeing him live, seeing that, seeing that energy in person on stage is, is a very different experience as it is with a lot of bands. And we've talked about that, but it is very different than just hearing the record and going and, and sorry, there's, there's a difference knowing intellectually, Oh, there's a lot going on here, but then seeing all of that happen in real time is, is really exciting. Sure. I think. And I, I think that, you know, seeing somebody who is so maddeningly competent at what they do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, is, yeah. is so great that, that, I mean, and that's the thing watching him here. It's like, he's not performing. He's talking mm. to a bunch of nerds, you know, like even yeah. at the point at which From he's the same bedroom that he's arguably <clears throat> been in since he was five. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and at one point he's, you know, he's sitting there and he's, he's pulling up all of the, all of the effects he had on the John legend thing. And he shows the EQ curve. Cause I think he has a friend who's an engineer who comes in and does like his EQ curves and stuff for him. Cause mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but he's like, yeah, he's just like, Oh, I put this on there. I put that on there. I put this on there to like widen it a little bit and like whatever. And he's like, all right, you know, I, it, hopefully that satisfies all of you, you know, vocal chain nerds out there, you know? And, but he's totally cool about it. And just hearing him talk about it, he's just, he just, you're right. He seems like he loves it so much, but the, yeah. but, but the tools in this case, logic, cause he's also got a keyboard set up. So as he's describing the chords, 
he'll he'll be like, well, here's what I was doing. And he'll like cut to the keyboard cam. It's just him sitting in his room. He's like, oh, let me flip over to the keyboard. You know, he's like, and it's like, we, you know, we're in the key center of D flat. And then we kind of go through this to get there and this contrary motion and whatever. And then we end up here and it feels like the sun came out or whatever, you know, and then he clicks back to the session and then he shows down at the bottom of the session. Some of the places where it was really complicated, he actually worked it out on keyboard beforehand. And so the hmm. keyboard stuff is like the MIDI is still at the bottom. And, but here's the thing. None of it was getting in his way. The tool, the, the logic was a machine to get him where he wanted to go. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the destination. I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? Absolutely. With, with, with any tool is yeah. for it to do what you need it to do so well. And you're so adept at it that it just disappears. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, I'm sure there are lots of things in logic that Jacob Collier doesn't know, but he is so fast at mm-hmm. laying stuff down. It's also interesting. He's not singing any single part all the way through. He's singing a single note or two. Stop. Go back. Sing another part over that note or two. You know what I mean? Like everything yeah. is just chunked up to one or two uh, uh, measures a piece. You know? Is is there um is there kind of a corollary or is there a, a a similar experience you can think of in terms of visual arts or photography? Is is because you've you've watched some pretty heavy hitters do what they do? Sure. You mean in like Photoshop is, and things? And, and Photoshop or on set? Is, yeah. Is there someone that you have watched uh, in the visual arts realm? that you have a similar reaction to where you, you're, you're watching sort of this, this technical genius at work. Sure. Uh, well, can you think of one that, that I, maybe comes I, to mind? I mean, I've, I've told this story a long time ago, but like that first time I was watching Dan Winter's work right up at the farm mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was filming up on the Hill. And I just, I went up, I was like, Hey, you need a hand. Cause he was alone setting up lights. And I was like, you need a hand? He's like, yeah, sure. And we set up lights and then he had somebody stand in and he had, you know, one light behind him for Phil and he had another light up 15 feet, like really high, like as high as the stands could go above the people, which I was very odd to me, but like, this is what he wanted to do. And then he's standing there and like mumbling to himself exposure math. You know, wow. he's, he's, he's doing, he's, you know, he's, he's like, all right, well, no, I need a little bit more. So let me stop this down and open that one up like two tenths of a stop. Okay. And then like, give it two clicks on the top one. Okay. No, that didn't work. Bring this one up. Well, wait, hold on a second. Let me, let me drag the shutter a little bit. Like he's like doing all the things that we, we do, mm. you know, like there was, there was no part of his vocabulary that he was using where I was like, I don't know what he's doing. Right. I was just kind of following along going, yeah, that's exactly the mumbling I would do to myself. Why do his Mm. pictures look so much better than mine? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, it's kind of heartening because there was nothing he was doing that was some dark art. Right. You know? And I think, and it's the same with Jacob. It's like, I was, I mean, I use logic. I know a lot about music, like other than the fact that he has perfect pitch and knows way more harmony than I do. There's nothing he was doing that felt completely out of the realm to me, you know, but it's, he's just doing it with a facility and an ease, you know, sometimes I find that when I'm shooting, 
if like I'm in the groove and I'm talking to somebody and I'm shooting and I'm changing lights and whatever it is, like I'm carrying on a conversation while I'm doing all of that. Cause I don't want to lose the person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, there's a certain amount of facility you need to be able to do that without thinking about, you know what I mean? Like all of yeah. my attention is not on the lights, but I'm still changing all kinds of stuff and doing test shots and whatever it is, as I'm keeping up a conversation about whatever they're talking about, you know? Right. Um, is it hard to get them back if you, if you slip into uh technical photographer mode and, and you do kind of lose them, is it hard to get it back yes. once you've established it? Yeah. Okay. In, in my opinion, or at least the way I work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think maybe there's other people who are, are better at that, or there's other people who are technical photographers. I mean, there's, a number of photographers I've seen where it's like, they're not super great with the people in front of their camera, mm. <laughs> you know? I mean, they may get really good pictures in the end, but they just come at it from a completely different thing. But again, there's another example of there's no right or wrong way to use anything. There's no wrong. There's no right or wrong way to do what you, I mean, listen, what you, the kind of work that you do, are you following some system that somebody else has developed about how to, print stuff out, cut stuff out. I was initially because I didn't know anything about it. Where did you learn all that stuff? Uh, from a, a, a woman named Dorothy Simpson Krauss. She uh, is, a, is a fabulous artist. And uh, another woman named Bonnie Lakota. And uh, they were doing things that I'd never seen before. Now, I, I've kind of, as one does, you, 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 you learn something, right? You learn a basis and then you kind of branch off and go, well, what if I tried this? What if I did this? So I've kind of developed my own kind of hybrid versions of what they do. But the initial, the initial, here's what you can do to get these results was because of something else. And I think that's true for a lot of us. You know, we, whether you're a painter or a writer or a photographer, musician, whatever, you're going to, you're going to look at, you're going to dissect at some point, you're going to dissect the work of your heroes sure, and go, yeah, I could do something like that. But because it goes through you, of course, it's going to be different. And that's what we want, right? We want something different. Right. We don't want, we don't want another Simon and Garfunkel. We want Collier and Yeba and sure. you know, all these other people to, to reinvent that thing. Did, did um, you, did you actually take lessons with her or did you just follow? Like, no, see how she, she, does? Uh, she wrote a book. That I that I found. I don't even remember how I. You know, I'm looking at her website, and I can totally see your process and in, in the way that she works. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's where I learned from. Was and 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 she, bless her heart, she was really great about answering questions because there were things in the book that there were leaps that I couldn't fill in the blanks on, and I reached out to her, and and she was very you know, patient and kind with her time and answered all my questions. And sure, you know, it just took me in a different, in a different direction, but she is, she is absolutely. And and I've credited her, you know, for 20 years or whatever, the catalyst that got me to, to start down this path. Do you, do you think that there are weaknesses in your methodologies and your process? Like, is it, yes. do you, what's, what's, what, thing is holding you back. I mean, outside of the mental stuff we usually talk about, is there specific stuff like, are there skills you don't understand or equipment you need or? There might be equipment, you know, I would love to be able to print on thicker material. Um, How do you do that? What would you need? Different kinds of printer. Roland makes a a printer. She's got one that she can print on like three quarter inch thick material and send it through. She can print on plywood, tile, glass, plastic, whatever. Um, 
I also question the longevity of the stuff. Not that I'm ever going to have to worry about it, but, you know, I would imagine maybe you or some people that are listening right now that, you know, are you questioning how long these inks are going to stay vibrant in your prints? And, and there used to be, and I don't know, in fact, this is a good question for you. Are there still the questions around dye based inks versus pigment based inks that there used to be? Uh, I, from my understanding, so for, for those of you who are not old timers out there, um, when, when inkjet printing or glycy printing, (laughs) uh, became a big thing uh, 20 years ago when those printers started being, you know, photo good, um, Mm -hmm. There were there were there were dye based inks and then there were pigment based ink printers and you had to pay more for the pigment based ink printers because pigment ink doesn't fade like dye ink did does right right, um, right 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 and the cheaper the printer the cheaper the the, the dye and the ink I I had a dye based Canon printer a long long time ago and mm-hmm. you know those things faded in months if they were out in the sun. Yeah. Uh, and then so everyone used pigment based inks, but they were more expensive and more rare. And you uh, 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 the, the in general, the picture, sometimes the pictures weren't quite as saturated, I think, mm-hmm. with, with pigment. Mm-hmm. Is this all true? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I feel back. like it is maybe uh, until I think it, I feel like I remember it changing when Epson introduced the K3 inks, their K3 yeah. chrome, yeah. whatever inks. So and they just keep adding magentas and greens better. And things. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, and the, but then at one point, maybe 10, 15 years ago now, uh, they started making dye inks that they said were f- color fast to a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. And they uh, do all this lab testing to kind of ensure, you yeah, know, yeah. simulated aging and weathering and all that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my guess is that modern, is it, wait, you have a, didn't you have a small Canon for a while? I still have one. I have a Canon Pixma Pro 100 that's dye based and produces you, fantastic prints, by the way. Have you, have uh, you noticed any my, weird stuff about that? Epson. No, but it's only been, I mean, how, what's the longest that I've had the thing? Maybe four years, five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it wouldn't, you know, and it's in a, it's in a dark-ish room, house, you know, it's not out in direct sun or even indirect sun. Um, but th- those are some of the things that I, that I question in the, the panels that I'm, you know, will the, will the adhesives that whoever you know, mill used to uh, laminate the plywood panels. Are those adhesives going to still hold in, you know, 50 years or whatever? Well, you know, um, we were, I was at a, a play last week um, mm-hmm. and afterwards we ended up at a bar with some people who are art people that I know. And we were talking about Canyon, uh, the Rauschenberg mm. and how it hadn't been up for a long time. And then Heather said that it was up recently when she went, which I was surprised by. I was like, really? And so I got to go back and see it. But we were thinking, you know, I wonder if they were doing work on it or cleaning it up or whatever. And then you think, and I said, you know, this is the problem. All those people in the mid 20th century, they were using just like off the shelf materials. Oh, yeah. They were using house, house paint. paint and they were. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and Rauschenberg specifically was using stuff that he found in dumpsters and, you know, cardboards and, and bed sheets. Right. It's just they, they weren't stable. They I don't think they even thought about stability. Now, I don't think they were, you know, as certain. They weren't as impermanent as like the Dadaists who were just sure. like, oh, it's it's here right now. And then I don't care. I think there was definitely a sense of of. Well, it's an object that impl- you want to be around. But yeah, either implied or or, you know, directly sort of 
a direct concern. But yeah, to your point, they were using just, you know, stuff off the shelf. And it just, it kills you know? me because, you know, you we could go look at a Van Gogh from, you know, seven, 1870 or 1880 or whatever. And it looks pretty much like it looked to him most likely except for you know certain color dyes or certain color pigments have faded like i remember there were mm-hmm. like irises and where varnishes certain, yellow and sure, things sure. like that but yeah. but you know canyon is from what 1958 or 60 something and it's like right that is so yeah that probably looks nothing like it looked when he made it you know yeah i mean so, that's a that's an interesting do you question. care i guess to, to, to in your own stuff like if something 20 years from now does i mean if you your oldest thing that you have that's in the in in your closet somewhere does it the look like the oldest thing i have right now is from 2008 that's the oldest thing i have and it still looks fine yeah but i mean i i i try to you know i do a final uv top coat and but it's it's still like i don't know if the it should hold up but i don't know whether it's going to um and i think you know, it, look, long after I'm gone, you know, maybe somebody will have these these pieces and, and I obviously I won't care. But you know, you, I think you do think about permanence. Sure. I don't I don't know that you can't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it, and But before we get too far afield, sure. I want to mention that the, if you haven't seen the cover, going back to Collier for a second, the cover of the, the new Jesse record was done by a guy named Dustin Yellen who is a fantastic artist. If you go to DustinYellen.com, D-U-S-T-I-N-Y-E-L-L-E-N or I-N. I think it's I-N. Oh, it looks like it's like Dustin busting Yellen. apart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all layers of glass. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you look at it from the side, you'll see all these laminated layers of glass, almost like uh, uh, how Disney would use a multiplane camera back in the day oh. for doing, you know, sort of background, foreground, et cetera. So every, everything is, not everything, but... There, there are layers. Think of it as analog Photoshop. There it sure, is. Sure, sure. I, I think I know this person. Uh, I've seen their work other places. Phenomenal work. Yeah. Yeah. Really phenomenal. It is IN, by the way. I just looked. Uh, DustinYellen.com. Terrific yeah. work. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things. It's funny. Uh, uh, a lot of people will say, well, you know, do, do you use this way of doing things in, say, Photoshop? And do you use this keyboard command? Because if you're not, you're wasting time or, you know, you need this new CPU because this plugin runs so much faster. It's like, how often do I use that plugin? You know, <laughs> like there's a lot of things I feel like people try to make things more efficient. It's like it's like the people who say. You know, I'm working on this project and, you know, I, 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 instead of just doing it, I created software to do the interpret. I was like, well, how long did it take to do the software? Cause you've only done this three times and that would take an hour and a half total, but you took six months to do the software that does the thing that would have taken you an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, of course I do. I mean, that's, that's yeah. How many things have I thought I need to build this bespoke? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a platform that I've been wanting to build for six years you know that that would it be great off you know bespoke and and feature sets that are exactly what i want sure are there off the shelf pieces of software that you can connect together to get pretty close yes yeah (laughs) but we were talking about it this morning adrian and i were talking about it you know yeah um but there is still something about wanting it 
from scratch. Yeah, because it's fun wanting to, to, wanting to be the person that figures out the thing from scratch. There's still something like that. There's still that thing in me that I I want to be the one who figures it out rather than just go, well, yeah, but you could just use this, this and this and be using it until and maybe maybe you're even using these things off the shelf and developing the other thing in parallel and making changes, revisions, additions, subtractions based on how people are using the things that are, you know, so there's all of that. There's right. all of that. Right. Do you, do you think that, do you consciously think about doing things differently than other people? Like this is how everyone Um, else does it. Part of my identity is doing it a different way. I don't think so. I, I think I'm always looking for what I can, what I can integrate or what I can riff off of and bring into my own thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm photographing all these paintings. And so I've got all these raw files and I've, I've talked to, I talked to you, I talked to Sean, I talked to a couple other friends. Like, how are you guys? It's been a while since I've had any number of things, uh, photographic files or, or image files or whatever to keep track of. So I've asked all of you, how are you guys doing it? Like, what, what is your workflow? Like, do you go from raw to TIFF or raw to DNG or raw to JPEG? And, and of the four or five people that I've spoken with about it, you all have different ways of doing it. Really? Yeah. Well, all of those other people are wrong, right? <laughs> well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so I'm, one of the reasons that I'm, I get fired up about talking to people about process is so that I can pick and choose and, and, and form something that works for me, some sort of hybrid, the same way that we were talking about Dorothy Simpson Krauss. I can form some hybrid that works for me. And I'm, I'm kind of riffing off of your experiences, your successes, your failures, what you like, what you don't like, what worked, what didn't to form my own kind of workflow or, 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 you know, thing that right. works for me. Right. Right. right, um, right. So I don't, I don't think in most cases, I don't think I need to come up with it myself. I just need to come up with something that works for me and making a decision on what works for me and what doesn't is often very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because you get stuck because you don't know what you should, which one works for you. It doesn't come naturally yeah, and which one works for you. I don't want to have to keep redoing it. You know, like one one person may say, and I'm, I'm not going to name who, but one person may say, okay, here, here's, you have a raw and then you should save out a DNG so that you have all of the raw edits baked in uh, because then it, no matter what, converter you do or don't use all of those edits are baked in and it doesn't really matter and you can open it in any image editor okay fair point fair yeah point. that's interesting but, uh, but don't uh, ever doesn't every image editor uh, process those same settings differently that well that's the thing right so then then there there there's someone else might say well no 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 I, I don't do that what i do is i i get the raw file and i i i develop you know process the raw file and i export a tiff and i do that so now i have a tiff with everything baked in uh, so it doesn't really matter what I op- open it in at all. And then maybe that's, somebody else goes, yeah, <laughs> well, m- maybe. Uh, and then, m- you know, maybe there's somebody else that goes, well, you've got the raw, so you can always go back to it. So edit it the way you want it. Spit yep. out a full size JPEG, call yep. it a day. You're done. Yes. And like, oh, me. okay, well, that's cool. You know, so sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by how people do things and always have been. So, it, 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 you know, I try to soak up and listen to 
pros and cons and then form something that's going to work for myself. And, that, you know, this is one example, but that's sure. going on all the time. Okay. But, and, and forgive me. Yeah, no, good. Does it matter how any of these people do this? I mean, um, it, it, it matters insofar as go they've got more experience okay, in doing yeah. it. So I'm, I'm trying to learn from their experience. But isn't it interesting I've been out that of the they, photo game for a long, long time? Sure. But isn't it interesting that, that all of these people, I mean, obviously they're using similar tools and they're ultimately doing similarish thing, but yeah. they're all doing it differently. Doesn't that mean there is no right or wrong answer? It's exactly what it means, but that doesn't mean that I can't learn something from them. Yes. Right. You know, it's sort of like, you know, you know, if you've listened to this show, you know that my favorite graphic designer is David Carson. And, you know, David has been celebrated over the years for breaking the rules. He broke all the rules. And being unreadable. Yeah, he's, he's, well, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he does what you're not supposed to do. And and you, you talk to him and he's like, I didn't break any rules. I didn't know there were any rules. I just did what I thought looked good. Yeah. I just did my, I did it the way I thought I should, I should do it because it made sense to me. It wasn't like, oh, I see what, what this person is doing and I'm going to do it differently because I don't want to do it like them. And on the other side, I'm not doing it this way because I saw them do it and I go, I'm going to do it just like them. He just did his own thing. It is interesting though, that he's your favorite. And yet the way you design is on a grid in a very modernist style. Oh yeah. And I've told him that I'm like, I, I see how I see uh, you and I, you we couldn't be more a lot different. Of the same, no, <laughs> yeah. We use a lot of the same materials in, in, in what we use to create because he's doing a lot of collage work. Sure. And I've told him, I said, but I cannot see how you get from here to here. I can't see how you get there. I, I can see, I can see the starting materials and I can see where you end up, but my brain just does not process it like that. Yeah. And he was just like, cool, right? <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah, is. Yeah. That's what makes this so much fun is, is. You know, we can see little bits of people's process. We can see little bits of, of how they get one place or another. But then there's that, there's that, that lost, almost liminal space that we can't really see. And I think that's what, for me anyway, that's what draws me to somebody. It's like, I can't quite figure it out. I can't quite figure out how you do this. And it kind of makes me love you more because you, you, you have figured out something that, that doesn't make sense to me. And I've had people offer to, to explain their process to, and I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want, you, you got there on your own. Let, let me get there or not on oh, my own. Okay. That's interesting. Cause uh, you know, the, the two hour thing with Collier, it's, it's two hours of him letting you inside of his mind, yeah. right? That is interesting or not interesting to you. Like, it's interesting. I would watch that and, and you might as well be speaking Greek. Well, okay. I, 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 you you know, would watch I would it only maybe, because you don't necessarily understand the musical, the crazy harmonic stuff he's doing. Right. I right. mean, I could probably, you know, av- I could probably digest 10% of that. Okay. So if, if there was a thing where Carson has a camera over him for three hours while he's working on something, you don't want to watch that? I don't, well... I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, like, he's got a masterclass on masterclass.com. Mm-hmm. Is it masterclass.com? Uh, yes. It used to be a sponsor of us. They did used to be a sponsor. I think, we, um, I, you know, we had full memberships and I barely used it and I should have. Yeah. I, anyway. I watched a bunch of them. Anyway, uh, Carson has one there and I kind of would love to see it because I, I don't know how much of it is practical versus theory. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I watched the Frank Gehry one 
And I was expecting him to go into much more detail, but no, it was it really platitudes and, and it's very theoretical. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. like, okay, here's how I'm going to solve this problem. So I, I'm not sure how I'd respond. to. That. I will say when I'm just flipping through Instagram and the stories that get fed to me because of the algorithm, the algorithm, right? Uh, <laughs> Wait, can, can I get it? Hold on. The algorithm. <laughs> love that hold on to that we gotta do that every time that was good um (laughs) yes the 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 way the algorithm what it feeds me a lot of times it's it's artists it's painters or it's you know whatever people working and sometimes they actually show them working now other than the cj henry's who are like these crazy freaky people who can you know take a bunch of kids art materials and make things something that's looks real um Yeah, she's an incredible illustrator. Yeah, she's like, she's the Jacob Collier of illustrating, right? Like, she's that kind of person, right? Like, she just, she understands, she she gets it visually in some weird way that can't even be explained. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, but most of the time you're seeing people do things. A lot of times there's some piece of woodworking or some piece of, you know, let's say somebody's making, I don't know, a, 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 a crazy table. Or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they've got mm-hmm. the wood and you're just like, how do they make a pattern like that? And then the reality is, is that they just make this pattern of four things and then they make up 50 of those and then they glue all those together and then they cut that and they fold it over itself and then they cut that and they fold it over itself. And then, right. you know what I mean? Like when you watch them doing it, you go, oh, yeah, that they're not actually making each individual piece and putting it in there. They have a process that ends up getting them there, almost like a fractal yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I, happens I like, all the time. I like that. But I, 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 I guess I like that air of mystery. No, I, I guess what I'm, uh, y- yes, and I agree. But what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that like there's rarely actual magic where if you were watching them do it, you'd be like, wait a minute, what was that step? How did right. we get from step seven to eight? Because that's when the magic happened and I didn't see it happen. Yeah. It's usually like a little bit of magic gets added at each step. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, when I lived in California, um, I lived in, in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, really a place. Not and too far from the New Eggs warehouses. That's right. No, it's not, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and not too far from me, only a few streets away, lived a woodworker named Sam Maloof. And if you've ever seen any of Sam's woodwork, you you won't likely forget. It's beautiful work. And he was, you know, making rocking chairs and chairs and tables and things up until he died. And he had waiting lists of years. You know, you, you would order a Sam Maloof rocker and you'd be waiting years to get this thing because he was so backlogged with work. 93 years old in 2009, he passed away. Yeah. Um, and I, I went to his, his, his house, they opened up his house and, and, you know, you could walk around the grounds at beautiful grounds and, um, his, his personal shop was there, which you weren't allowed to go into. And I was walking by myself with, with my camera and the door was slightly open and I kind of peeked in and, uh, and, uh, one of the like caretaker people said, uh, you know, that you're not really supposed to go in there. And I had my, my ex pro and, uh, you looked at me and said, down. who's going to stop me? You actually, did I have my ex pro? <laughs> I either had, no, you know what? Pre-X I don't think Pro. I had my X-Pro. You're, Pre-X you're, Pro. This would have been my D300. I was going to say, anyway, you're Nikon. Yeah. saw that I had a camera yeah. and she's like, I said, could I just get, could I get one picture? And she's like, go ahead. 
And I have this picture of his wood shop with all of his patterns hanging. Oh. These, these, these patterns for the, the beautiful curves that he spent, you know, hours and years and months, like whatever, refining these curves. And you could see, you could see where it started. And then you could see chairs that were being finished where it sort of ended up. But in that photograph, there is still this sense of mystery because you can't see what's in between those two things. You see the two, you see where it starts, where it ends, but there's still all of that craft and care and mystery and magic in between. Right. Because you like the idea that, yes, I uh, probably if I was watching him for five hours, make this make these pieces, I would understand how he made them. Not that I could do what he did, but I could understand how he did it. Very important distinction. I understand how he did it, but that doesn't mean I could do it. And I think that you'd rather not know. There's a big part of me that would rather not know. Yeah. Okay. You know, I could watch Carson for, you know, for example, watch him overhead pasting because all he's doing is tearing pasting moving tearing pasting moving and and so the the process itself is the most it's the thing that we learn in in you know in in kindergarten how to you know get a glue stick put it on the back of the paper stick it like the mechanics are simple it's the way his beautiful mind works in arranging those things it's the way a a, a photographer's beautiful mind works composing you know it's it's crudson composing a scene yeah yeah you know he's he's we're all using give two people the same camera in the same room with the same people and you're gonna get very different pictures yeah it's it's that 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 thing that that it can't be taught really you know and that's the part that i that i am most drawn to it's the part that i romanticize the most it's the part that is most elusive to me regardless of discipline or genre it's it's the thing that i chase it's the thing that i lament that I can't catch but it's also the thing that I kind of don't want to catch oh see that's interesting Maybe- I kind of want it to always be a mystery I kind of want it to be just out of my reach yeah well there's your problem uh, I, I, <laughs> hey, success. <laughs> um, you know, one time I remember when I was uh, I was at UConn for a couple of years before I transferred and went to Berkeley for music. You were at what now? Say that again, please. UConn. UConn. University of Connecticut. Ah, OK. Got it. And uh, my sister had graduated already. It was I, my, I was in my second year and I was I think I had already applied and maybe gotten in and I didn't know if I was going to go to music school or not. Anyway. I was at a party with my sister had graduated and she was working at a, an archaeological company. They would do digs. Um, hmm. Was uh, it called Dig This? No, it was it was called it was called something funny, though. Not funny, but like it was something, you know, memorable. Anyway, can you dig it? So <laughs> goes back to the warriors right there. It's there true. Call back. Can you anyway. dig it? Can uh, you dig it? Uh uh, so they would go and they would dig, for example, at uh, uh, Foxwoods um, Casino before they built anything. The Native American. Oh, sure. People would have sure. you them come in and do a whole thing on the land and to then make sure it was yeah. clear of artifacts and all the oh, okay. stuff that they okay. found would go in the museum. Uh, at the place. So th- these people were hired. So my sister for a couple summers, I think, worked at this thing where they would just go dig all day long and then go you know, sit and drink a beer and then whatever. Anyway, I think this guy's name was Tim. And uh, Tim was one of my sister's coworkers and we were at a party at his house. And uh, I was talking to him and he was one of these, you know, 
guys you could get into a one of these people you can get into like a real deep conversation with pretty easily. You know, like mm-hmm. he'd sit there mm-hmm. with you while everyone else was doing whatever. The, the two of you were sitting on two chairs in the backyard kind of getting into it for an hour, you know. Right. And uh, I was talking about it and I said, you know, I'm a little worried because, you know, I can I was I had played piano for years at that point or whatever. But I was kind of worried about that if I learned too much about music, that it would take the magic away. Like, that, wait, wait a minute. In terms of like theory, the theory behind music. Yeah, what like if I really, if I really dug into and like got a degree in it, that that yes, learning about the theory and and pulling it apart, like basically, you know, taking the mechanism and taking the clock apart and laying yeah, it out. Yeah, you know, so it just Noel becomes style. an equation to solve. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes that's how I end up thinking about music now. So some of it actually kind of came true, but. I was talking to him and I said, I'm worried that, you know, I'm not going to, I really love watching magic, but I worry if I figure out how magic works by becoming a magician, I'm going to lose my love of magic. You know, this Mm. was my fear. Mm. And I remember he said to me, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you will. Maybe it's going to be different once you see it from the other side. Yeah. However, he says, there's also magic in being the person who is the magician. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the magician yeah. being able to create that magic for other people is itself a type of magic. Sure. And I would imagine that there is a, a huge sort of boost watching the faces of those people react to the things that you've come up with. Exactly. Even though you know how it's done, I think maybe you, your joy gets shifted that's exactly what he was saying. And yeah. so I wonder if that in some way uh, fits into what you're kind of saying about yourself. You know what I mean? Maybe you're, maybe the, you're so fascinated by process. It's interesting that there, it's almost like, it, it, it's almost like, no, 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 don't show me too much ankle. Like, I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's kind of how it sounds like you are, right? Like, kind of. And, and, and I wonder if you, if it was just like, you know what, Jeffrey, just look through a book of nudes and get it over with. Like, yeah. if you might actually be more satisfied. I don't know. I really don't. I, because I, th- there is, there is, that is definitely an op, uh, a possibility because I think I have spent so much of my life. Um, Maybe it's not as magical as you think. Maybe. Maybe that's scary, too. I've spent so much of my life romanticizing all of it. Sure. And maybe it's scary. The idea that it might not actually be what you've built it up to be in your head might itself be stopping you. Because it's like, I don't want to know that it's not as good as I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Maybe. um, It is. Yeah. That's a good good point. You know. But then again, you know, you see Collier and he's sitting there and he's got a big smile on his face the whole time. And he's like, oh, my God, this is so wonderful. Listen to this line that this, you know, John Legend sang. And like you could make the case that he's only able to produce the kinds of music that he produces because he understands so well and so sort of intrinsically how the sausage is made. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I think that his natural gifts are are. It's almost like he has, you know, 25 vision. You know what I mean? Like he can like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he has superhuman vision and so therefore can see so much more than we see. Yeah. Um, but that it's, it's, it's sort of like his, his natural tools are so good and so sharp that they, they allow him to analytic, have analytical insight into things 
you know, it's like I was thinking that so at the at the end of this song, he goes and he gets huge, you know, like he normally does at the end of his song. It's a little big, like, right. big, right. you know, it's like 73 voices, you know. But he does that every time on these things, or at least almost every time. And it's interesting. I almost want him to go. No, I'm going to shrink this down to almost nothing at the end. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I wonder if there's something where he's so good and he knows so much, but he's not quite understanding when to not use it all. You know what I'm saying? To some extent, like, like it's so it's, it's, it's no one's perfect, I guess is my point, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think that that, have you ever looked at somebody's work that you really love? Like, um, I will look at photographs now that at the time looked so glossy and perfect that I didn't understand how somebody took them. You know what I mean? Like you look at mm-hmm. some, you know, Vanity Fair or Annie Leibovitz stuff from the early 2000s or something, right? And you're just like, look at that. That's amazing. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the lighting's great. The retouching is great. The, how does she get that color? How does it feel that way? And of course, she had her, you know, team of people and Pascal and all these people working on it, right? Um, but a lot of those now, I look back on now with the skills and knowledge and stuff I have now, and I go, oh, I know what she was doing. She had a beauty dish over here and she had a light. You know what I mean? I can now, it's like I can decode but, it in a way that I couldn't when I was younger. But does that, does that decrease the appreciation you have for the work because, because you know how it's done and, and maybe you can even do it. Yep. Does it decrease when you see another person who you go, Oh, well, you know, they're doing that same thing or similar thing that, that Leibowitz did. Sure. Do you first see the technical side and not allow yourself to sort of feel the visceral or the emotional side or how has that tainted or affected how you see other work. I think my standards have gone up to the point where if I see somebody else doing sort of a knockoff version of it and it's not as good, I go, huh, yeah, they're, they don't get it. Like they don't have the mm. same refinement that her team did, you know, or, mm. or, you know, somebody say, look, they, she, this person shoots just like any Leibowitz. I was like, no, no, they don't. And, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's cute that you think that, but you know, like just that, you know, I, I understand that you don't see light between these two people, but I see light between these two people, which makes me feel better about like, oh, I'm actually learning something and I'm improving and my taste is going up. But there's still hmm. plenty of people I look at their work, you know, a lot of like even a lot of Dan Winter's work I will look at and I'm like, I know exactly what he's doing. I've watched him do it and right. I still can't do it like that, you know, and I'll yeah. try sometimes. And that that makes me frustrated. That like makes me feel like, um, you know, it's like if you watch Tom Brady throw a, you know, a football through a tire from 50 yards and you're just like, wait, I just saw him yeah, do it. Obviously, over and I can, over again. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's, you know, this is great. We had a sports reference on our show. Like we're sports people. I just, yeah. Tom Brady is a football player, right? No, I'm just Yeah, kidding. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it's like, I see it. Give me a football. Let me try it. And of course, I'm not going to get it through the hoop, you know, through the tire. And that, that's frustrating to me because it's like, I know what he's doing. Like, how is he doing it better that well? Like, what does he have that I don't have? You know, that drives me crazy. And then every once in a while, it'll be but like, I'm getting he? nowhere. Why? I'm okay. getting nowhere. I'm getting nowhere. Slam my head against the wall. And then like, eventually I'll figure something out. I'll be like, oh, I cracked it, you know. But it's not all mechanics, though. No, that's it's the thing. Like, like you can you can look at Brady. 
and go, oh, okay, he's got a his he starts and he's got a 45 degree angle from sure. his elbow to his wrist. And then, okay, he's releasing at 30 and he's got about 400 pounds of pressure, like whatever it is, right? Yes. I can do that, but I end up like hitting the guy holding the tire in the face and I don't hit the tire. Like, right, 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 right. But you're, you're, you're saying that the, where's the magic then? Is it just like well, his brain sees things differently? Like you were saying with Carson? Maybe. But it's interesting to me because like, okay, take retouching out of photography just for a second. Okay. Me and a camera and this person used one light to do this picture. In the same situation, there's nothing stopping me from getting that same result if I'm as refined as the person who took the picture before is. You know what I mean? Like if I understand no, I mean, the situation, the understand light, how to could, manipulate the yes. ambient and what, like I should be yeah. able to get the same results. They could even give you their settings and you should yep. be able to get the same results. Yes. Of course, it's never going to look exactly the same because people are different. Ambient light is different, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like every situation is different. Sometimes you just get lucky with, you know, things look great. Sometimes that just happens. But it should be this like photography is dialed in enough that there should be some repeatability, theoretically. More so yes. than illustration or or even graphic um, design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that, yeah. Um, I mean, but it, I think it still comes back to, to Collier and knowing the tools. Yeah. yeah. You know, you watch Joe McNally. I mean, I've, I've watched him a few times at, at um, workshops and lectures and things. And he knows he knows the tools so well that he knows what they're going to do in any given situation and, and can either make tweaks on the fly or set it up right the first time because yep. he's, he's got that sort of database of experience and, and aesthetics and all of that stuff at his fingertips. Yes. The tools get out of the way, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, uh, my friend Clay just, uh, took on some studio space down in industry sit down near industry city. And, uh, I went Where down, is that? uh, is it in Brooklyn, York, New Jersey? uh, in Brooklyn, um, like, uh, down by the water, not far. I could walk there a couple miles away from where I live. Like where that carousel thing is. No, that's Dumbo. That's like down by the bridges. This is like further South towards like, uh, sort of in between Manhattan and Staten Island along Brooklyn, mm. like halfway mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. It's, you mm -hmm. know, out of town, whatever it is, but he, he got studio space there and he was there, uh, working with his friend Lucy, who I took a picture of uh, to my Instagram feed, uh, and they were working on some um, food stuff. And, I, you know, I went down there and like he's got the same he's got a couple AD 200s. He's got an 8600 and like, you know, uses a 5D. It's like there's nothing about what Clay does that is outside of the realm of the way I think technically. Right. It's all stuff that I've used before. But he takes just very picture, different pictures from me and he just uses lights differently than I do. You know what I mean? Like, and even like watching him, I'd be like, oh, you know, have we tried this? And he'd be like, oh, I tried this. And, it'd be, you know, the two of us just looked at it. We just came at it from a different place because our, even though we're using the same tools, our minds are different to your, to your, mm -hmm. to your point, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and also it's like they, they were shooting still lifes of food. It's like, I don't shoot still lives of food. I've been in the room when people are shooting still lives of food. I've, you know, watched people doing it. Um, but for, for me, it's not something that I have a lot of experience with. So it's like, well, Clay's going to be better at that than me. Cause that's what he does. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times. Right. Um, and it's, I don't know. I just like, I find it, I think that I myself and maybe, maybe not you, it's like, I want to be good at it all. And I know that's unreasonable. Oh, I think I'm the same way. And I, I think I'm, hmm. 
I think I'm good at enough different things where I, I, I have often responded like, why shouldn't I be able to do that? Right. Yeah. Within a, within a, within a very small realm, within, within the realm of sort of visuals, right? Like yep. I, I would never assume that I should be able to throw a football. It would probably be a disaster. Right. Um, especially now. Um, but even, even there, there was a time and not so much anymore because I, you know, if you don't use those things, I used to be a fantastic illustrator. Right. I mean, I look at the, 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 the renderings that I was doing for, you know, scenic and costume design in college. And I'm like, I, I have still, I still have a, a few of those things. And I look at them and I go, wow, these are really good. These are really good. Do you ever sit down with a sketch pad and do that now? I haven't in a long time uh, because you? I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated by where I'm at now relative to where I was then. Yeah. Because I haven't done it in a long time. And it is a muscle that in a, in a sense that sort of atrophies if you don't use it. Now, sure. could I get back there if I, if I spent six months drawing every day, would I get back there? Maybe. And maybe that's an interesting experiment. Yeah, maybe that, it would be interesting to start a sketch journal. and You sit down and, and sketch for an hour a day or a half an hour a day. Yeah. And see where I get to. Because honestly, since I was a kid, that was one of the things that I enjoyed the most. Right. Was draw, I would sit and draw all day long. I would burn through paper. You know, right. both sides, any, I would draw on envelopes, bills, you know, my mom would just give me, she would bring home scrap paper from her office, you know, where, whatever office she happened to work at. It had something on one side, but blank on the other. Was that, an, was just, that an escape for you? Was that a, a, a safe space or was that just something you felt compelled to do? I think all of the above. Um, I think part of it was because I, I didn't have until high school, really, I didn't have a lot of friends because we moved around so much. Um, so I always, you know, I would draw and watch TV or I would just sit in my room and draw or, you know, I was always drawing, sketching, making things, you know, illustrating things. Um, so I think it was partially to combat the loneliness of not having a lot of friends, you know? Right. Um, as I got better at it, and I think it was maybe, what would this have been? Junior high, maybe? When I, far, I first discovered kind of Frazetta and Boris Vallejo and, and some of the sci-fi illustrators, Roger Dean. Right. Um, and, and Sid Mead. That kind of took me in different directions. And, and I had, you know, sketchbooks of me copying Frazetta, you know, trying to, to, to you know, draw these beasts and warriors and princesses, like all this kind of stuff, right, you know? Right. Um, and I got really good at it and then, you know, for whatever reason just stopped. And it, but it's, it's one of those things where if you stop, it just, you just, you know, I'm, I imagine it, it's no different than you sitting down at the piano. Yes. Uh, cause you, you've shown me some of the, the older videos of you playing as a kid. Yeah. And I could you play. probably in your teens. Yep. And you were really good. Well, like you I, could, I could really play. play. Yeah. And and I would imagine that there is some frustration. I can't now. do any of that now. Yeah. None of it. And but to know that, well, wait a minute, that's 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 me. I I did this, but now I can't do that. That's frustrating. Yeah, and it, it is. And it's not yeah. it's not like a you know, I was in the prime, I can't run a four minute mile anymore because now I'm seventy. Like it's it's not it's not that kind of uh, Yes. It's change. not like, oh, I got old and therefore I can't do it anymore. It's like I yeah, should I, and I there should, should be, able, be to able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it is something like that where, where if I sit down, look, I would love to be a figurative painter. And I have, I have said that for a long time that 
if I could paint, you know, maybe that's, it's just that thing. If I could only do this, then I'd be happy. Right. We've all done that. Sure. We've all done that. Um, Has that ever been true with you? Have you ever actually done anything and it actually put you over the line to being happy? Um, if it has happened, it's been far enough back that I don't remember it. Okay. I mean, look, this is, this is one of the reasons I started therapy a couple of days ago, right? This yeah. is, this is to try and get out from under this cloud right. that I seem to live under all the time. Yeah. Right. It's called, it's called Maryland anyway. weather. <laughs> there, there, you know what? There was something like it, it, that's, that's truer than, you know, uh, it was, it was not warm, but it was like in the late 40s, late 40s, <laughs> high 40s, low 50s. Uh, and I noticed my, my mood is, is much, and maybe it's just coincidence, but you know, my mood is better than when it's in the twenties. Sure. I don't like the yeah. cold. The cold bums me out. I mean, the cold is but, one thing. It's the light for me. Yeah. That's, so that's to your point, I, I, I don't know if it, it was, I happy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that even if I spent six months uh, polishing up my, my illustration chops, and even if I spent six months starting to paint figures and it, it still wouldn't be enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You it's know. Oh, sure. I can do one figure, but what I really want to do is a whole room full of Rembrandty kind of, thing. well, okay. So then you do that and you go, well, yeah, I, what I really want to do though is so. I mean, isn't it to some extent that, that what we're talking about, it really does get back to the practice, right? That, that any step along that line is going to be unsatisfying. And really what it is, is the line that's satisfying. Maybe. You yeah. Know that's what I'm saying? Interesting. Like, like if you were, if yeah. you had been doing illustrations every single day since you were a kid, like, Oh, this is just what I do while I'm eating breakfast. I sketch a thing or whatever. I did. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that, that that you would probably sit back and say one of the things that I love is is the morning sketching routine that I do or whatever. It is, yeah, right? I mean maybe maybe it is having a trajectory. Maybe the trajectory is the happiness. Maybe motion is is happiness. Yeah, maybe being in motion is 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 happiness for for certain types of people. And I think I am one of those types of people. I don't feel like I have a trajectory. I feel like I do a lot of interesting things, but. They seem they seem they seem disparate and disconnected. They don't seem to be uh, leading anywhere, uh, leading to a common endpoint. Do you think you need to think you have a destination, even if you never get there? Mm. Is it enough to just drive west, or do you have to say I'm heading towards Phoenix, even if I'm not actually going to Phoenix? That's a really good question. That is a really good, I don't know. That's a really good question. Is it enough, is it enough to be in motion without having. Even if in your heart, you know that you're never going to get the place that, you know, I only have three days and a half a tank of gas. There's no way I'm getting to Phoenix, (laughs) but I'm going in that direction and let's see what happens. I mean, you know what the funny thing about life is? It's all about, mm. I'm going to go in that direction and let's see what happens. That's all it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> over and but over and over again. We get stuck. I, I, I'll speak for myself. I get stuck in the uncertainty of not knowing where I'm going to, where exactly I'm going to run out of gas. Yeah, but why does it matter where exactly you're going to run out of gas? Deal with that when you get to it. Bill, I don't know. <clears throat> I, you know, I was, but it, but it does I have for a, some reason. Yeah. I have a friend who's making a movie and, uh, you know, they're raising some money to do it and whatever. And apparently part of the thing that some people do in movies is they raise enough money to start making the movie and then they keep raising it as they're making the movie and hope that they're going to be able to make more money to finish the movie. Huh? Like we know we need half a million dollars. We've got 200,000 now. Let's just start. And because we've started, maybe it'll be easier to find the other 300 grand. See, that would, that would drive me bananas. I agree. But apparently that's the way it works a lot in independent film. Like they don't wait to have a hundred or 500,000. They start when they have enough money to start. And then because people are more likely to put money in if they know you're already on the journey. Hmm. And maybe your own mind is more able to deal with things. If you, if you know, if you're, if, if, if you're walking from your house to my house and you're in Pennsylvania, it's easier to keep going than to get up off your couch in the first place. Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's, maybe that's where I'm more often than not getting stuck is I get, I get stuck in the uncertainty. I certainly didn't as I was, you know, when I was younger, you know, I was certainly much more able to leap without knowing where that where the destination was. Well, the question took is, me what do you, from, you go ahead. Huh? No, well, I was going to say, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? What do you mean? Like if, if, if you end up somewhere you don't expect, like what is the fear, you know? Uh, well, that's, that's, that's the crux of it. I don't even know what the fear is, but yeah. there's just fear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, after school, I was like, okay, I'm going to Texas. After Texas, I went, okay, I'm going to Alabama. After, after Alabama, I went, okay, I'm going to New York. Uh, and then where are you going to go? I don't know. Yeah. See when we get there. Yeah. You know, I couldn't do that now. I mean, I could do that now, but I wouldn't do it now is I guess the, the, the distinction. You know, there right. is, there is, there is, um, yeah. But man, that's a great question about direction versus destiny. That's a great question. I mean, I, I have to think about that now. All right. Well, we'll, we'll rehash that. Hey, uh, can I tell you a, a funny technical story last night? Uh, yes, please. My friend Terrence comes over and uh, my, my wife Terrence is out. from, from the earlier story, the same Terrence. Yes. Same Terrence. We yeah. went out to okay. dinner and then we, we, we came back here and Terrence was a listener. So hi Terrence. Hi Terrence. Uh, and uh, Terrence is a, is a bit of an audio nerd like I am. And, mm -hmm. uh, my wife is out of town for a few days. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to do crazy things while my wife is out of town. Like listen to dark side of the moon on SACD. Uh, solid choice. Yes. So, uh, SACD for those of you who don't know is super audio CD. It was a format that was out 25 years ago. It came out and it died. It was only out for like five years. Um, but it is a higher, res version of audio and it's not 24 bit 196 it actually uses a whole different thing called delta sigma encoding where instead of checking the level of a digital file say 96,000 times a second in 96k or 44 one you know 
it checks 1.4 million times a second. And all it gives you is a one if the signal is higher than it was or a zero if the signal is lower than it was. So what you get is this wow. bit stream. If you look at it, is one 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 zero 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 one 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 zero zero one 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 zero 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 zero. So you can actually like kind of imagine the line that it's making, you know. And, and you have to have a special player for that, right? You need a special player for it. It uses special decoders. It's like a it's a whole new format. But it was a really? format. So you have to have like a whole DAC thing and a whole C, new well, CD player. You it's a, it's not just CD player. You have an SACD player. In this oh. case, and uh, uh, I do believe that do you have a, a PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Four, yeah. Okay, I think a PlayStation Four can play SACDs. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know it'll well, play Blu-rays. I don't know about anything else. Yeah, uh, uh, PlayStation SACD. Um, so yeah, so apparently, oh, apparently the PS3 did. I don't know if the PS4. I have one was. of those too. Okay, so the PS3 can play SACDs. Um. Yeah, they hold about 60 gigabytes of, of, of or I mean, not 60 gigabytes. They, like, it's like about the size of a, of, a, of a Blu-ray or an SAC or a DVD, like that amount of data, mm. you know. Anyway, they sound really good. Like when these things came out, people who were crazy analog heads were just like, wow, this levels the playing field. Like this changes things. So anyway, I own an SACD player. I own a dozen or so SACDs. One of them is this version of dark side of the moon. So Terrence comes over. So I pull the SACD player out of the closet because I haven't been using it because the last time I used it, most SACDs are hybrid discs where there's a layer that is red book, which is regular CD. And then there's a layer that is the SACD inside of it. Like kind of like multiple multi-layer DVDs, right? Hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this disc can play in a regular CD player and it just plays the CD layer. But if you want the SACD layer, you got to play the SACD. So my player obviously can do both. But when I put an SACD in it, it won't let me get to the SACD layer anymore. Like there's a button on the remote that lets you jump between the two layers. You have to hit stop. You have to jump to the new layer because it spins at a different speed and stuff. But it wouldn't work. So I put it in the closet. And I was like, ah, it's probably something dumb. But then Terrence wanted to play it. So I pull it out. We plug it in. And there are certain SACDs that only have an SACD layer. There is no Red Book layer. Those played fine. And they sounded amazing. Like, I've got a bunch of old Billy Joel records that are SACD straight from the original Masters. They sound amazing. So it's only the hybrid kind of discs. The that hybrid ones the... wouldn't work. Interesting. So Terrence and I were like, you know what? Let's pull the thing apart. And Because I look online, some people say that the laser assembly can get dusty after a while, and maybe that's the problem. So we pull the thing apart, and we clean the laser, the lens. Still doesn't work. And then we're just like, wait, this thing is also a DVD player, so it has an output for video. Let's maybe plug the video in to see what it's saying on the screen. You know what I mean? So that we know if it's reacting at all to the remote control, say. So I don't have anything that has component video in except for my projector. So we pull the projector out and plug the SACD player into the projector, like one cable, just Y level component video, you know, like the yellow Wait, so you've got audio coming out of an SACD player going into the video of a projector. No, no, no. There's the SACD player is also a DVD player. So there's like a video ah, okay, out. Okay, okay. Got so I have video the video out, out into the projector and we put discs in. We didn't even have plugged in the stereo at this point. We put discs in and we're trying to get it to light up the little SACD light because there's like a light that lights up when it's using the SACD layer. And we could not get any of the hybrid discs to work. All the non-hybrid ones would work fine. So we knew that we knew it could play an SACD. <laughs> 
And we knew the remote control was working because now we, when we pressed the switch layer button with it plugged into the thing on the screen, like on a TV screen, if it was plugged into a TV, it said this function not available right now. But for some reason, it won't jump to the SACD layer, even though it will play an SACD if you just put one in that doesn't have a red book layer. Weird. So we spent like an hour and a half, like banging our heads against the wall, trying to get this to work last night and failing. And it was very frustrating. And it makes me want to, you know, throw my SACD. So there is no solution. We didn't come up with this. The solution would be to buy an SACD player, another SACD player, because there are a handful that are still made. But I, but th- nice. then there's people who rip these things. There's certain Oppo SACD players where you can actually get the digital bitstream out of a coax on the back. And some people mm-hmm. record those and then play them back through a DAC that does SACD too, as well, you know, and then you can use that. So anyway, this is all to That's say, so weird. Yeah, it's just sometimes, man, technology drives you crazy. You know, you want Indeed. it to just work. It doesn't, though. And it's weird that this thing worked perfectly when I first owned it, and I never dropped it on anything, but now this one function of it doesn't work. Why does this function of it not work? I don't know. It's a 20-year-old DVD player. I think it has something to do with uh, your Fuji. No, it's the the Fuji. Hey, a woman asked me about my Fuji. She might buy it. Good. Buy it. Yeah, I know. $2,200 with the lenses. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait wait a (laughs) Hold <laughs> six lenses. Fine, take it. Just take it and the body, and Bill will deliver it to your house anywhere in the continental United yeah. States. Twenty two hundred dollars. Yeah, and I'll and I'll teach you how to use it for a month. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is a that is a joke. It is non binding. We are kidding. Somebody's gonna be like, ah, you said it. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> you're coming to Peoria. Welcome, Bill. Everyone, though, you know what's funny? Everyone, who, when I when I sell, everyone who contacts me about it goes, so why are you selling? It's like, well, I don't know, because I have it and I don't want it anymore. What, why does anyone sell yeah. anything? It just doesn't click for me. Yeah. It just doesn't, you know, it's not my thing. It literally doesn't click. Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sounds because it's a mirrorless camera. Um, right. I have a photographer of the week, unless you have one. No, you, you said you had a couple last week, so I didn't, I purposefully did not look. Okay, so... I found this person I did not know of. Actually, there was an article on CNN last November, but it, the, the article is called the, uh, the, this uncomfortable portrait of femininity has resonated for four decades. And I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you the, uh, the link here and the, the thing. Okay. And I'm going to send CNN. you a link <clears throat> yeah, to uh, this woman's work. Her name is Joe Ann Callis. And I don't think okay. we've ever used her, right? But by the way, I did send you also, if you could put this in the show notes, uh, there's like an exploded view I of already, the artwork. I already put it in the show notes. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this woman was okay, working. This uncomfortable portrait of femininity has resonated for decades. Okay. So, the, yeah, this is, this is the, the, this, this, yeah, I guess it's this woman with her head back because she's got the, 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 the loop around her neck. And stuff. This is apparently a woman with blue bow, Joanne Callis, uh, in 1977. And this is the sort of like, you know, early color photography, femininity. If you scroll down, actually, the one where the guy is holding this woman's ankle standing up on a chair, uh-huh, I uh-huh. really like I see that. that. Yeah. Uh, and then even with the hair on the next one is really kind of nice, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it isn't about the people's faces, it's like poses and stuff. And yeah. it's, 
you know what? There's something that I don't do that I need to do more often, which is like, I'm getting one singular image here. We're setting this up. This is the idea. I want to get this image and then we're moving on. It's not like I'm going to get as much as I could possibly get out of. But you do that or you don't do that? I don't do it. And I, I should do, I, I want to try to do it more. You know, like have my mind on a specific image and make that image as opposed to just working with the person and making what comes out. But do you think that they only took? No, I'm sure they took multiple. To get this image? No, but only one of them, you know, it's not like we see the whole lead sheet. You know, or the, the oh, whole contact I see what you're saying. It's like, nope, this is the image. And maybe yeah. this is the one thing we did today was get this one image. Uh, so if you click on the other link, you get to this stuff where her early colors work. And it's a mm-hmm. lot of this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of these are really beautiful, like 70s color images. And they're, yeah. they're Is she still alive? You know, good question. Uh, I'm assuming so. Her website has a contact on it. The problem is, is that uh, the website looks like it has been updated since 2008 or something. Um, contact representation oh yeah all these photos are copyright 2008 so she's not doing any more work i don't know or she just stopped updating her website says she's 84 years old seems to be still alive huh as far as we know uh but you know she's it's it's kind of a modern surrealist kind of thing that she's doing and um i think it's super hip and it's not it's not what i would normally be into but i but i'm i'm attracted to it yeah, it's interesting stuff. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of work here. Well, there's, I mean, click on the stuff. Oh, wait, on the left. here it is. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there's, okay, there we go. There we go. A ton of stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I did uh, my first website navigation. <laughs> Look at the early black and white stuff, like the first picture of like the body underneath inside the mattress. Oh, wow. Oh, that's disturbing. Yeah, but but that's... kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it is, but. Now I'm going to have to check the bed before I go to sleep tonight. Yeah, it's kind of dark. And like, this is not at all the style of work that I ever usually make. But I'm, by the way, we should give a little warning. There's a fair amount of, you know, non-sexual nudity in a lot of these pictures. So if you're going to go look at them and. um, Yeah, potentially NSFW. Yes. Uh, and then go go look at pinholes. And there's like this. Yep, weird, I'm looking at those right now. The weird like jacket, but it's like, you know, out of focus mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, I think that she was doing some really cool stuff. You know, this, this is interesting. Let me tell you why this is interesting to me. Let me tell you something, Bill. Are you going to school um, me right now? Should I, I'm going to school. Let me you. sit down I'm in my chair. Sc- Let me get my notebook out. I'm going to school you. No. Um, this is this is a throwback to to a number of people who we have used who defy what we have come to depend on, and that is categorization. I'm a so-and-so type of photographer. I'm a so and I'm a I'm a wedding photographer, I'm a sports photographer, I'm a portrait photographer. Whereas Joanne's work or Ms. Callis, uh, sure. uh just a photographer. And we're seeing we're seeing uh, uh, sort of a, a unfiltered slash filtered version of what she finds interesting, whether that's still life, whether that's pets, whether that is people, whether that is environment, whether it is some sort of manufactured tableau or setting. Yep. I love this kind of stuff because it, it it's 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 familiar to me because if you asked her, well, what kind of photographer are you? 
I don't know that that would be an easy question to answer for her. Yeah, it's it's almost like she's an artist who happens to use photography as her medium, but it's not yes. that she's a photographer. And I kind of love that sure. because we've gotten to the point where we need the shorthand. Sure. We only want the shorthand. Well, what kind of photographer? Well, you know, I kind of, oh, you've lost me already because I, don't, I, need to, I need to have the box to put you in. Sure. Right? Yeah. And I kind of love that, that this woman and, and other photographers of, of maybe that era were, maybe they were trying to find their thing just as much as you and I are trying to find our thing. And this is a result of the entire journey. This is a, 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 the results of, of, of trying to find that thing. And I'm just going to show you everything that I find interesting or challenging or beautiful or ugly or whatever it is. This, this is my, this is my sort of personal visual lexicon. Yeah. She's been teaching at CalArts since 76. Oh, really? In Valencia? Hmm. Yep. Okay. So wow. she's, she's, she's been around, began using a camera in 1973. That was one of the schools I wanted to go to, actually. Oh, and there's this very sweet picture of her from uh, here on this, uh, the genius list. I'm going to, I'll put this link in the show notes too, eventually. Um, look at that. Look at that sweet lady. She looks like a really cool person. Oh yeah. Look at that. That's great. Uh, yeah. I just, it's, you know, I just love. I enjoy taking the familiar and making it unfamiliar, showing it in a way that gives it a different importance. That's fantastic. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Was Saul Leiter <laughs> here? What is going on? Yeah, or Andy Rooney, one of yeah. the two. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of sort of this um, ethereal, metaphysical... Uh, surreal photography that has shapes in it and people in it, but you don't know what they're doing. Like sometimes I see that kind of work and it, it, it grates me because it's almost feels like sometimes it feels like a cop out. Like the person didn't know what they wanted to say. And so they just sort of said everything. And so it means something to everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's not true of this work for some reason to me. And I don't know, I don't know what the difference is. Like these feel like statements in a way that a lot of that kind of work doesn't always feel like a statement to me. Okay. One of my favorite bodies of work. <laughs> Look at Cheap Thrills. <laughs> I love this so much. Cheap Thrills on it. Mm, it's just donuts. <laughs> it's just photographs of donuts. Oh my God. We had donuts last night. They were so good. There's a place up the hill from us that, this is great. Is open 24 hours and like in the evening they put out all their new donuts. Love it. And so we went. What's not a, to like? I got a, a glazed and then like a chocolate glazed. And then uh, Terrence had a uh, a blueberry filled powdered jelly donut. That's right. You heard me. Nothing, nothing not to like. Who? You know what? Donuts are, I think, are the, the probably highest pleasure to cost ratio. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. A buck fifty for a donut. Like you're not gonna get any more joy out of anything for a dollar fifty. <laughs> That's it. You peaked. Like if there's a chart, you know. Not even the dollar pizza shop uh no. near near Penn Station? No. No, because that pizza's not good. A donut's always good. Sugar <laughs> is always good. <laughs> uh. All right, jo Joanne all right. Callis, one to ten. What do you think? You 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 all in? Oh, uh, eight to nine. Yeah, 
Really yeah, good. I like it. I like it a lot. You should uh, look her up, see if she wants to do an interview. Oh, maybe. She yeah, got, she's got a fun? contact thing on her website. Uh, well, and if she's still on staff at CalArts, then maybe she's still yeah, you know, she, active. In, her Gmail in, account's right there on her website. Yeah. Well, maybe I will. Uh, but yeah, fantastic stuff. You know what really is, The one thing I will say about that, and no pressure on you, just like I just say that because you're the person who does these kinds of process things with people, and that'd be great because uh, I'd love to hear that conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But like she's 84. She might not be around forever, you know? And, uh, agreed. Agreed. And if she had died last year, you probably would have said, man, I wish I had called her before she was gone. <laughs> That's probably true. I'm just <laughs> It's probably true. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else before we stop? It's podcast nope. at ontakingpictures.com to send us an email, a uh, voicemail. And this was episode 362, by the way. <laughs> Letting us know at the end, you're like backfilling. 929-390-1916 uh, is, the, is the voicemail. And uh, we're on the threads and the Instagrams, Bill Wadman, Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y, yeah. double, double D. You know, I will say in closing, uh, I have been finding a lot of really terrific artists and photographers on threads. Uh, like active new people. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. More so than I, than I think I found on Twitter. Um, uh, I will also say that I think that the Instagram, I don't think anyone looks at images on Instagram anymore unless they're in stories or in whatever, because I put up what I thought was a really good picture yesterday. It got like 15 likes because I think just no one sees it because of the algorithm. Not weird. The algorithm. <laughs> and with that, people, have a nice week. <laughs> See you later. Going on and on the way we are for so Say we-